Because the truth is, all of us need some of us to make it through this journey at EPWY. So throw them AirPods in, or your Apple headphones with the mic in your ears, get your notebook out, and get ready for your extra course. Black Girl at PWI is starting now, and class is officially in session. Hello, 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 beautiful people. Yo, this is insane because I feel like I haven't talked to y'all in like a break. Like I know it's felt like a long, long time for y'all, but y'all don't know how good it feels to be in front of a mic. I'm recording at a time I typically don't record. I'm in an environment that I'm not used to. Like so much has changed. So much has just evolved since I've last talked to y'all, but it feels so good to talk to y'all. I'm getting ready to cry. Y'all, it's Black Girl to Peter Bar. We still in this thing going hard. Do you get what I'm saying? The year ain't over yet. The season ain't over yet. The year ain't over yet. Hopefully, y'all have been staying up to date on Black Girl at a Peter Brown Instagram. So, we gonna get straight into it. Now, last time, I kind of gave y'all an educational piece, right? Last couple episodes, we talked about uh, color lines, right? I told y'all I was doing it for a class project. Your girl passed, right? You know, your girl passed. Your girl graduated from undergrad. Graduated from one PWI. But like we talk about, America is a PWI literally so we're still black out of pwi vibes over here and the next place i'm going to is very much pwi but that's okay that's okay because as we're kind of wrapping up what is final exams for a lot of people what is the end of college their undergrad experience even for some listeners what is the end of high school for you i want to bring up this topic and y'all saw it off the title of the episode is decision day my destiny Ooh. This the one right here. This the one because this is the one that don't nobody like to talk about, right? Is decision day my destiny? Now I'm not sure where all the listeners are from, but I'm from Virginia, and I don't even know if this is a Virginia thing, if this is a like a, a cross the nation thing. Like I'm not sure how this works, but in high school we had a thing called decision day. If I'm not mistaken, I graduated high school. I'm not mistaken, I graduated high school in 2018, and we had this thing called decision day. I believe it was in May, and it was like May 5th, May 6th, whatever. We got out of school. Dang, when we get out, we got out of school. It might have been like late April, early May. I'm not sure. But anyways, we had a day in the spring called Decision Day. And on Decision Day, basically everybody would post the undergrad that they were going to. So where you're going to college for the next four years, you would post your plans. Um, but typically it was for the college baddies, right? The girls, everybody else was going to college. You would um, come to school with like, your college gear on because you probably visited the college or ordered online so it was just like a big day now i told you i grew up in a predominantly white environment my entire life so high school was no different high school was predominantly white and it truly the system was just unjust you know when it came to high school a lot of black students did not have the necessary resources to get into college to finance and fund college which we'll talk about later in another episode to even you know know what college comes with to get all the letters to do the transcripts like black folks just did not have the resources in my community and still don't as it relates to college preparedness and really getting out of this small town mindset so for my four years in high school I was so focused on everyone else that's probably not hard to imagine because we've talked about it and we talk about so much because I've lived it all of high school I was committed to showing up and showing out to the best of my ability 
freshman year I came in I kicked it I was like we we gonna do this the right way I was never big on grades even though I never filled a class I probably never got a C in high school I think I got a couple C's but outside of that (laughs) outside of that high school for me was all about leadership it was about leadership it was about social justice it was about giving to everyone else even if I had nothing so anybody who knows me knows that in high school it was all about leadership. So sophomore year, I became vice president of class of 2018, basically. So I was sophomore class uh, president or vice president, sorry. And then junior, I was junior class vice president. And then senior year, similar to college, I was like, let's, we going hard, we going hard. And so everybody else was like, run for SCA president. So if y'all don't know, SCA is kind of like, what is it called? Like student council associate i don't know but sca was basically like kind of like the sga you were in charge of the entire school for me i was like no i'm not going to do that i'm going to stick with the people i'm going to stick with what i know even though i know everybody in this entire school front to back probably know your mama and your cousin i'm gonna just stick to seeing class so i was the seeing class president my high school year so class of 2018 i gave the speech at graduation all of that right it was a whole thing but for my four years in high school i tend I tended, if that's the proper terminology, I had this pattern of giving so much of myself at every angle, at every point possible. So sophomore year, boom, dope. Junior year, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm definitely running for this. Senior year, I had all these goals. I had a dope group of folks who ran with me, so who were also coming into leadership with me and alongside me as senior class leaders. And I was just like, okay, class of 2017, they did it this way. I don't bang with them like that. We're going to do a class of 2018's way, right? 18 is the best way. They say the greatest for last. Great, you know what I'm saying, being 1-8, you know, like... Class of 2018 was just that class. You get what I'm saying? Class of 2022 is just that class and respectfully so. So I was like, yo, we got to make this a whole experience. So my entire senior year, my entire senior year of high school, I committed myself similar to junior year to making sure that black students were prepared. Making sure black students had the, the resources to pay application fees, making sure black students had their counselors uh, knowing where they were going or that they were attending college fairs. I thought about doing numerous bus tours outside of my small town to get folks assimilated and just aware of different environments that they could grow and thrive in. I committed myself to making sure that black students, even if they weren't going to college, that they knew what they wanted to do, that they knew who, with, who they were, that they were invested, and especially even though I never went to hbcu y'all know day in and day out it's always gonna be hbcu over anything if you want that experience if you need to be loved one if you want connections like no other pwis ain't for everybody same way hbcus aren't for everybody but one thing about me that i've learned is that a lot of times people say no to hbcus because they've been conditioned to think that anything all black is wrong anything that all all black does not prepare you and that cannot be farther from the truth but we talking about next season activities we ain't even gonna get into it right now so i made sure to try to introduce hbcus and all of that now around this time i also was kind of in that zone hbcus was my jam and i had said like oh i'm going to vcu but that was solely because i didn't look at any other schools around that time my aunt had went to vcu i think 2010 2011 and that was the only school i was literally exposed to like walking to campus things of nature and that's what i had my mind made up on i had went on a tour sophomore junior year and i was like i'm just gonna to vcu i'm gonna do criminology criminal justice something like that and it's just gonna be a good time 
Now, anybody who knows me knows at this point, y'all know me. We've been together for daggone nearly 13 weeks. Y'all know Breezy is pro-black all the way, 100%. So for me, I didn't apply to any HBCUs, even though I love them. The HBCUs that I was mostly looking at was Howard, HU. I was looking at North Carolina a and I was definitely looking at that because I was like, Aggie Pride is right up my alley. I was like, dang, they don't really have the majors or the things that I'm interested in, but I like it. I like the vibe. I like all of that. Um, I was looking at mostly a lot of places down south, Clark, Atlanta. I was looking at Spelman, you know, things of that nature because I'm a Southern girl. So city just really ain't my thing. Do you get what I'm saying? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to HBCU, da, da, da. But as time started winding down and y'all, April comes around fast when you're a senior. It's just something about that second semester, that spring semester of your senior year where everything starts taking off and you're like, yo, time is flying. And so that came around. Now in January, my mom was asking me like, hey, where are you going? What are you doing? February, my mom was asking, hey, when do you want to go touring? Now it's the perfect time to go touring. You know, around this time, you have the thing called the Common App. I'm not sure if this is the same for everywhere, but you have the Common App. And so you fill out the Common App for a couple schools. Some schools don't accept the Common App. So you have to do the application process in a different way through a different system. So I was like, okay, you know, I was going through and I started a whole bunch of applications, but I never finished. Now, around this time, I also was in a relationship, and so I I won't say I was more focused on the relationship, but I definitely was more focused on everybody else. I'm talking January through April. I was asking everybody else, where are you going? Have you applied yet? I was attending college fairs for my friends to gain information from my friends. Also, on top of that, I was the most well-put-together girl of my group. Not saying my friend group ain't all put together because if you know them, you know, right? But everybody knew, oh, Brie knows where she's going. Brie knows what she's doing, and that's why she's helping everybody else. Push come to shove, though. January goes by. February goes by. March goes by. Now, around March, now all the places you've applied to, you start getting answers back. A good portion of my friends, a good portion of the people I knew at my high school was like, oh, yeah, we going to VCU, period. I got my acceptance letter. So I get to look and I'm like, dang, I ain't got mine yet. They were like, oh, well, if I got it, you're bound to get in. Let me tell y'all something. That is not reassuring. <laughs> Yo, if I just told you I didn't get in, you telling me that you did get in and that because you got in, I should get in. Now that concerns me even more because I know my track record compared to yours. Like, so that wasn't reassuring. So I was like, yo, what's going on? I ended up a couple weeks later. I'm talking th- maybe three weeks after everybody else was getting their responses. Three weeks later, I get a letter in the mail and it says, we, we regret to inform me that we have to wait list you for this year. Now, basically what you can do is you can still put a deposit down. Well, actually, I couldn't. It was like, you can't put a deposit down right now because we haven't accepted you. Good luck, I guess. Like, that's literally what it was. We will have a response to you by this date. And that was it. And y'all, when I got that letter, I was so heartbroken. Not just because they waitlisted me. If anybody knows, class of 2018, just that year across the nation, it was really big. So a lot of schools were over accepting and didn't have the space or anything like that. And I was so heartbroken. I remember opening the letter just knowing that I was getting in. And I looked at it and I was like, they waitlisted me. I wasn't just heartbroken because they waitlisted me, but I was also heartbroken because VC was the only school I applied to. The absolute only school. I cared about HBCUs. I wanted to go to an HBCU. I, 
kind of at that point in time, I was a little iffy in my relationship with God, but I knew I wasn't supposed to go to one. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to just go to VCU. And for that to be the only place that I applied to, I was betting 100% behind it. And for them not to accept me, that hurt something deep. I think what also hurt the most for me was that I had given almost everything of myself. I gave everything but my name <laughs> to my peers, to my graduating class, to my to my teachers, to this community, to the school, to build it up, to be the social justice leader, to uh, change curriculum, to have step teams, to do all of this work, this great work that still exists today. And nobody thought to check on me or to say, hey, where are you going? Hey, have you applied to these places? Hey, have, you know, I got bitter. I got angry and I got sacked. So I was like, yo, what am I doing? And the months leading up to this decision, my mom kind of eased off. She was like, okay, look, if you don't want to tour, we don't have to tour. Right. She was like, we can go down to North Carolina. I was like, no, it's a lot going on at the school, you know, constantly selling myself out to everybody else. So what ends up happening is maybe when we, I open the letter, she gives me a few days and then she spends the block. You know, mamas are good at spending the block. And she spins the block and she's like, yo, I know you got a lot going on, but let me tell you something. You got two options. Option number one, you wait to see what VCU says. If they decide not to accept you, you're going to Germana. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with community college. That just was not what I was supposed to do. I knew I was supposed to go to a four-year college. Like I had it planned out. I had the plan. I just need the platform. All I need was a platform, like, like literally, and that was a platform for years, not to not transfer, nothing like that. So I was like, okay. She was like, or option number two. And y'all one thing about me, I hate ultimatum shall just do option. Number two was, I know you're not familiar with the university of Mary Washington, but they sent a pamphlet in the mail. They said, it's not too late to apply. It's close to home, but it's still further, further enough away. So you can be yourself. If VCU doesn't waitlist you, if you don't want to go with option one, option two is applying to UMW, seeing if you get in, and potentially going there instead of VCU, just in case. It was like a contingency plan, but immediately for me, even though I wasn't spiritually mature at that time, I knew what it was, literally. And I was like, okay, it looks like I have no choice because you know I'm not going to Jamana. Okay, so cool. Let's go tour UMW. So what we ended up doing was a couple weeks later, we went and we toured UMW. And we got there and I was like, oh, this is a hell of a university. First of all, I didn't know what even existed in Fredericksburg, even though I had been back and forth, you know, all my life. And I was like, okay, you know, walked, sat in a couple of rooms. I knew it was a very white institution. I knew I was an unapologetically black woman. But I got there, me and my mom walked up this long hill. Now, looking back after four years at UMW, I know like there were so many other routes we could have taken to get on campus. But we walked and walked, got to this place, sat into a session. And instead of walking with the tour guide, her and I had just kind of came outside and we just kind of talked amongst ourselves instead. And I remember sitting in the room, I raised my hand a couple of times, asked questions about like curriculum and the major and stuff like that. And as we walked out, I sat, I think I sat on a bench or something like that right outside Lee Hall. So for my UMW folks, you know, 
I had walked down the steps and by this time we're on the other side of Lee. So we're kind of right in front of Monroe. Monroe ends up being the building of my major. I spend four whole years in Monroe once I come to the University of Washington. I graduate as a sociology major from the hall of Monroe. Monroe is also right by this big fountain on campus, right? And I'm standing right by Monroe in front of this big fountain. Students are coming out. So it's it's like end of April at this point. And it's like, um, it's like either Monday, Wednesday or Friday, because there's a ton of people out there, you know, that kind of like that two to three, 12 to one class schedule. Everybody's out there. I'm seeing people walk. I'm seeing people kind of traverse through campus. They're laughing. Some people are like sitting on the edge of the fountain and putting their feet in. Like it's just a time. And it was kind of as if time slowed down. And I had said out loud, this is home. There was no place that I had been. And I obviously I didn't go many places. But when I looked at the page and when I looked at, you know, the tuition and fees, when I looked at the mission and values of the school, there was no place that embraced me or that was home to UMW, home to me rather, than UMW or like UMW was. And I didn't even say it out loud. I said it inwardly because I still had to deal with the fact that decision day was coming up and I was going to a school that I didn't even really want to go to for real. UMW was home for me. First glance, first moment being there, but it didn't feel right. I'm not going to lie, y'all. I was embarrassed. I was, are you not embarrassed? I was embarrassed. I was like, y'all, I said I was going to VCU. Everybody knows VCU is on a popping in Virginia. Like, it's like a party school, but you can also be like a scholarly baddie. Like, I'm a black woman. You know, like, it was just a lot going on. And I was like, I've been telling everybody I'm going <laughs> telling everybody I'm going to VCU like I was so embarrassed by the fact that somebody could call my bluff or that somebody could say dang breezy breezy doesn't have it all together like she says she does right so I had kind of made my mind up when UMW I kept praying praying VCU please call me back now come to find out it wasn't my fault that VCU didn't accept me in the grand scheme of things my counselor at the time did not send off my transcript and so as a result VCU got my stuff late and I just ain't make the cut it all worked together for the good but at that point in time I didn't feel like it was I felt like I had applied to my dream school like I did everything that I needed to do that I had been a great leader. I had showed up. I supported everybody else. I pulled up to everybody else's events. I loved on people. I introduced people to all the resources they needed. I set people up for success to the best of my ability. And yet when it came time for someone to do the same for me, a counselor, a teacher, a mentor, a friend, even an acquaintance, hell, somebody who was just in the same senior class, nobody did that for me. Nobody outside of family. And it hurt so bad to know that I gave everything and I got nothing in return but rejection and ultimatums. When other people were choosing between five, six schools, I was choosing one when the one I really wanted didn't even choose me. So I was hurt. Decision day came and everybody, I'm talking, everybody in their mama, I'm talking Folks who ended up dropping out fall semester, like everybody in day mama had on a school shirt. When decision day came, 
I knew I was going to UMW. In fact, I put down the deposit, $500. Because my mama told me, hey, we only put down one deposit. Let's show daddy going to help you pay the other half. We put down one deposit. And you know, deposits are expensive, $500. So I was like, okay, bet. I'm not going to waste my mama's money. Like, <laughs> it's the least I could do. So the day I put down the deposit for UMW, literally, UMW gave me some money too. They threw some bread. I put down my deposit for UMW. I was like, this is where I'm going. But I wasn't excited. And I kid you not, a couple hours later, I got an email from <laughs> I got an email from VCU saying that they accepted me. I've never been so flabbergasted in my life. But I had made up in myself as, at that point. It was so conflicting. I made up in myself that this is where I was going. And if VCU really wanted me, that if I needed to transfer, I would. And then on the other end, I was still bitter and embarrassed because I wanted everybody to know that I had it together and that I wasn't a second choice because I'm worth so much more than that. So what I ended up doing was knowing that I was going to UMW. Now at this point in time, and folks still do it, you know, they throw the school they go into and a little dash and their graduation year in their bio. They might put the school colors in their bio. People was having posts. People were kind of doing decision day parties. They was going out to dinner. They was announcing it on Facebook. Like it was a whole thing in my community at least. Decision day. And even on decision day, people came up and asked me, like, yo, where are you going? You haven't posted? And I was like, you know, nah, like, I'm keeping it a secret. Like, da, da, you know. Man, but I was like, I bet, Re, like, because you got it together. Like, I know you're going to a dope school. And I was like, girl, I'm going to UMW. You don't even know where that is, right? It hurt so bad. Like, I keep saying it because it's important that I'm honest with y'all. Because where a lot of folks are when they're listening, they sometimes think that I haven't been there and I've been exactly there. That's why I can speak about it. It hurts so bad. And when I look back, it wasn't even just the fact that it hurt so bad that I didn't get into the school or that I did get into the school. But what hurt the most is that I didn't see myself as human. I didn't see myself how everybody else saw me. And so as a result, I was expecting people to give me something that I didn't even give myself. I didn't give myself grace. I didn't give myself room to ask for help. I didn't give myself space and opportunity. I didn't give myself time to embrace and do me and travel different places and tour different campuses. I didn't do that for myself. So then when it came to decision day, what I started asking myself was, is decision day my destiny? And that was a real question that I actually asked myself literally years into UMW. I asked myself that question probably into my junior year. So that's how old am I? 2020? Is decision day my destiny? As I started to think on it more recently, especially, I really started to critique myself. Because I started thinking about how much I didn't know then that I know now. And to be very honest, I started thinking about even how I came into UMW. For me, when I committed to UMW and I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. I still had made up in my mind that I'm going to come and I'm going to give it my all. I know it's a predominantly white institution. I'm going to come give it my all. I don't care what nobody says because that's just how I get down. And then on the back end, if I don't like it, I'm going to transfer. Matter of fact, I'm going to transfer. I'm going to give it a first semester and then I'm going to put in my transfer papers to go to VCU. Y'all, when I tell y'all, I had put down the deposit for this um, early move-in program at UMW. 
But in April, May, June, literally for like two years, I was in like eight VCU group chats. I was in like eight VCU 2022 group chats. I was meeting people. I was introducing myself. My best friend at the time, she was like, yo, like this is my best friend. She's coming to VCU. She's just coming a little later. You know what I'm saying? I was pulling up. I helped her move in. So I met a whole bunch of people on moving day. I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna be here. Like I'm just putting transfer papers. Like I was lit. My first year at UMW, I was down VCU every weekend. I'm talking every single weekend like vcu was a school even in my commitment to umw i was still entertaining things of a future that wasn't even supposed to be mine i thought that because i wasn't going to vcu because i didn't post you know a ram shirt or because i didn't put it in my bio or because it's not where i committed to because that's the place that waitlisted me and i have enough money to lift my deposit at umw and to put one down at vcu and because to be very honest i wasn't even sure that vc was the place because i had all of this going on i felt like I did not have a grip on my future, that I had no say so in my destiny and that I was not walking in purpose because I wasn't doing what everybody else expected me to do. It didn't have as much to do with me as I thought it did when I look back on the grand scheme of things. It was more so what is everybody else going to think of me? To talk about success, to talk about thriving, to talk about all these things in the entire time I'm not going to a school because I don't want to. I'm going to a school because I can't. I limited myself trying to make sure everybody else was walking around limitless. You might be asking, because I know this is a different tone from how we usually talk, but I ain't talked to y'all in so long. You might be asking, why are you bringing this up? And to be very honest, I believe I'm bringing it up because... As black women in predominantly white institutions, at predominantly white institutions, in a predominantly white society, and predominantly white spaces as black women, as black girls, as black folks, as black men, we can become so hard on ourselves. We can make everything seem like it's life or death when it comes to our destiny, our purpose, our identity. And the entire time as we're overthinking, as we're second guessing, as we're being hard on ourselves, the essence of who we are is just sitting in unused and unworked hands. Because that's exactly what I was doing. I had a hand of future. I had a hand of destiny sitting in both palms of my hands. And because it didn't look like everyone else's or because I couldn't see past the fog or because I didn't have the answers that everyone had, because I didn't have the excitement, because I didn't have a t-shirt of a decision that I made of one school that I was going to go to. I felt like I had no destiny. I had no identity and I had no purpose. When I asked myself recently, and when I say recently, I mean a couple months ago, when I was going through the same process as related to grad school, and I said, is decision day my destiny? Because I thought back about how far I've come to have options now and I thought back and I said is decision day my destiny and what I felt I heard in response and not in response to me but you know y'all know I'm a believer so I feel like I was just we're having a dialogue and it was like decision day is every day of your life and I was blown away by it it seems so so small and it makes perfect sense but to tell 18 year old Brianna that that would have changed everything. I mean, it changed everything now. 
at 22. It wasn't the fact that decision day on May or April, whatever the daggone day was, was my destiny. No, because like I told you, I went to UMW in VCU group chats. I went to UMW and still went down to VCU. But when I was at UMW, I made a decision each day to stay. I made a decision each day to build connections. I made a decision each day to get to know the most beautiful people I have ever met in my entire life. I made the decision to get involved with class council. I made all these small decisions to choose my roommate, to pick my bedding out, to call my mom, to not call my mom, to get involved, to not get involved, to talk to my professor after class, to ask if force I enter this class. All these small decisions that really in the grand scheme of things seem like they didn't make any sense. That is what set up my destiny. Not just the decision to go to UMW. I don't know if y'all are hopeless romantics and lovebirds and love just makes you feel good when you think about being embraced and all these things like me. But when I hear people talk about love, they typically describe it as a choice. You got to choose. You got to wake up and choose every day to commit to this person, to love them through sickness and in health, to love them for better or worse. That's what you have to do when it comes to love. It's a choice. It's not mandatory. And when I use that same logic, I can't help but to think about destiny and decision day. That it wasn't just a decision to get married to UMW (laughs) or to get married to my true identity in Christ. It was every decision in between my yes to UMW and my graduating and walking across the stage UMW that got me to where I am now compared to where I was in 2018. People can look at my life and they can say, well, Bree, as y'all know, you were the first black woman SGA president. You helped co-found the first NAACP college chapter at the University of Mary Washington alongside your peers. You were vice president and then you were president of the chapter. You were the NAACP Virginia State Conference Youth and College Division Vice President. And then you moved up to NAACP Virginia State Conference Youth and College Division President. You led the state of Virginia and a whole bunch of young organizers in that area to changes in elections, to changes in legislation, to mass leadership all across the state. You made connections with a ton of people. You sat down with the president, the board of visitors at the University of Mary Washington banks were too heavy. You connect with UMW alumni on the regular. You're a national board member for the NAACP. You represent an entire region. You've been on national panels talking about black mental health, talking about black lives, all of this. You do great work. You keep this level of a GPA. You show up in the major of sociology like you are dope. Of course, you're the exception. But the truth is, I'm far from the exception. Everything that I just named off and I'm missing so much, so much. Everything that I named off came with small decisions. Each day. When God first told me in March that I was going to be the first black woman SGA president, or rather when he told me, hey, I want you to run. 
I went back and forth about it. I was like, there's no way. I wasn't trying to do this my senior year. These people don't like me. (laughs) Another black woman is running. Like, it's a lot. I don't want it to be messy. I made a lot of small decisions. I made the decision of running. And then I had to make the decision of attending the events to be basically approved to run. And then I made the decision of not saying anything when I got snarky looks or I got smart comments. I had to make the decision to hold my tongue when people were slandering my name. I had to make the decision to hold my tongue and withhold my hands and get off social media when there was a full on campaign of defamation of character regarding it. I had to love people in the midst of me not even wanting to do something. I had to make the decision to show up and show out, not to prove anything to anybody else, but just to be honoring God. I had to make the decision to get out of the box of how people used to do things. I had to make the decision to come into board board meetings and boardrooms in which maybe everybody didn't want to hear what I had to say. I had to make it through some meetings in which people fell asleep when I was talking. I had to make a decision regularly, day after day, to respond back to emails to show up for students, even when I knew that they may not have had the best interests or were seeing things fully. I had to make decisions every day that in each decision I made it further shaped what my destiny would look like it further shaped a character of prosperity it further shaped a character of righteousness a character of discipline of sound mind of peace a leader that can be reverenced a leader that can be trusted it shaped me completely but it wasn't just one decision of running It was every decision after that that made the difference. I use myself as an example because as it relates to decision day, whatever that looks like for you, it could be a decision as it relates to grad school. It can be a decision as it relates to not going to grad school, but to working. It can be a decision as it relates to not doing anything that your family wants you to do, but doing what you feel like you've been called to do. It might look like a decision of whether or not you are going to college, going to undergrad for four years, or you're doing community college. It might look like a decision to stay in your small town or to go to a bigger city with nothing. It might look like a decision to step out on faith when everybody around you is telling you absolutely not, you can't do it. Whatever it is, that one decision, that big decision that's holding you back, Because you think that that yes or that no is your destiny. I want to tell you right now that that couldn't be any further from the truth. That is not that one decision. It is every decision you make after that that sets the tone for your destiny. Of whether or not you will be in purpose. Of whether or not you will meet the people that you need to be. I just need to be around. I just came across this uh, TikTok video. And... um, I do not remember any of the names. I, I really don't. So I can't help you all in that area. But in the video, she, this woman said that I tell my daughter to be who you are fully. Said the people who you need in your life can find you. Something along those lines, right? If you are hiding who you are, the people who are in your life or the people who need to be in your life, they won't be able to find you because you're masking it. You're hiding it. 
you're covering up who you really are. So they can't come and support who you really are because you don't even know who you really are. You're not allowing yourself to embrace who you really are. I don't know who, but I, I believe that's kind of what the status quo has been for somebody listening to this. But you've been trying to hide yourself behind all these big decisions that you have to make that you forgot that the greatest decision you can ever make is you walking in your truth. And not just in your truth, again, I'm a believer, but in the truth that God has said about you. I think a lot of times we hide behind insecurity. We hide behind imposter syndrome, especially. We hide behind just starting because we want to be perfect when we first show up. Anybody can decide to do one thing. Not everybody can stick it out. Not that their decision, their one decision was wrong, but because all the little decisions they made were inconsistent with the first decision. An example, as we're talking about college more specifically, anybody can make the decision to enroll in a four-year college. If you went to a big university, you know especially. A lot of people came in with me during my freshman class. I remember people I had shared dorms with, that we had residence hall meetings with. I did not see them on May 7th walking across that stage. Why? Because life presented them thousands, hundreds and thousands of decisions, small decisions, some decisions that they felt like their hand was already pushed on. Whether or not I'm going to go to school and be in debt or take care of my parents, I'm going to go with the, the latter, right? Still a decision nevertheless. All of these little decisions is what really shapes your destiny. It's what really shapes you in a place of purpose. It's what really shapes whether or not you're going to break generational curses. It's what really shapes the fact if you're going to be the first one in your family to do something. And the truth is, when it comes to these decisions, sometimes we hype a day up so much because we really can't handle the weight of knowing that I can say yes one time but live a life of no. You can't get mad at yourself for inconsistencies in your decisions. One thing that my mom told me that her grandfather told me, so my great-grandfather, was let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. For me, my yes was UMW. For almost a year, I was saying yes to UMW and saying yes to VCU. I had to choose one. I said yes to UMW, and then I said yes again, (laughs) and then I said yes again. And then when I brought her transfer papers again, sophomore year, I said yes again. And I said yes again and again and again and again. And that's where you get a shared president, state conference leader, board member, student coordinator, all these titles. It wasn't in the fact that I said yes to UMW. Saying yes to UMW made me a student. Saying yes all along the way over four years is what made me a leader. It's what made me a history maker. It's what made me the voice that you're hearing now. This entire season of Black Girl at PWI hasn't just been me introducing myself as the Brianna Simone. It's been me showing you who I am in and out in a predominantly white space in a predominantly white environment. The slogan that we're trying to thrive in predominantly white spaces, not just survive. Thriving Instead of surviving comes with hundreds and thousands of little decisions that you make along your life. 
Thriving may be our destiny to live in a state of consistent thriving, a freedom. Maybe the destiny that we're supposed to walk into, the purpose, the goal. But if I make decisions that are totally different from that, everything starts to look different as a result. When you're thinking about this next step in your life, because I believe it's a transitional season for everyone. When you're thinking about this next step, is it grad school? Is it med school? Are you moving out the country? Are you moving out the state? You might be moving away from everybody, everything that you've known. Maybe moving away from all your friends, every like everything. You might be going to an HBCU and you've been in predominantly white spaces. You might be going to a predominantly white space and you've been in predominantly black spaces. You might be the first in your family to do something that nobody else has had the guts to do. You might be moving out of state and you have no provision, but you're just stepping out on faith. I believe in a transitional period, a lot of the first decisions that you have to make in many of our lives are kind of being presented right before us. And because it's not as big as somebody else's decision or it's not seemingly as big, we think that our decisions matter less. I can assure you that it doesn't. In fact, your decisions matter the most for your destiny, for your purpose, for your identity, for your calling. Now for me, 2018, Brianna, I would tell her all of this. That girl, decision day, you worry about decision day. You need to worry about how you're going to make all the right decisions for your destiny for the next four years. Saying yes at one point in time is easy. Living a life of yes is that much harder. But as I look on the other side of my graduate, my undergraduate experience, every yes that I said in between was worth it. Some of the yeses got me in a ton of trouble. Amen. Some of the yeses ain't, ain't deserved to be yeses. I'm going to just be honest. <laughs> but looking on the other side of it, one of those yeses in those four years, one of the decisions that I had to make within that time frame, and the time frame may look different for you. Was was I going to believe what God said about me? That was one of my hardest yeses. Was I going to keep walking in the opposite direction of my purpose? Because let's be honest, if we're talking about yeses and nos and destiny and decision, we got to be honest about the fact that some yeses hold more weight than others. Saying yes to a school or to moving or anything in between is heavy. Saying yes when you're looking at your imposter syndrome self in the mirror is heavy. Saying yes to doing the work to healing when generations before you have not is heavy. The yeses aren't light yeses. Neither are the no's. The no's that set boundaries. The no's that say, hey, I'm not going to put you before me in this area. The no's that say, hey, I'm not going to allow my insecurity to get in the way of what I've been called to do. The yeses and the no's are heavy. But they're decisions nevertheless. As we wrap up, I want to encourage you, my good sis, my good brother, gang, family. Any of y'all listening, I want to encourage you. 
to stop being so hard on yourself. We talk about this every day. We got to get more here and we talk about this. But I'm, I'm really living it out in my own life, this life of softness. I don't need it easy. I can get it out the mud. I don't mind getting my hands dirty and my feet wet. I'm as cold as it gets. I'm going to stick it through. I'm a heavy hitter. I'm a tough fighter. But I deserve softness. As a black woman in America, as a black person in a predominantly white society, as a black girl at a PWI, I deserve softness. I deserve rest. I deserve to be loved fully and embraced fully. I deserve to not have to come into a space in which I diminish myself. I deserve to break generational curses and to do it well and to not have to second guess or think twice about whether or not what I'm doing is right. I deserve to be able to come into a space and feel at home. I deserve to feel home within myself. I deserve to make a decision and to not be hard on myself as if it's going to change the rest of my life and the tinier decisions won't. I deserve to be at peace with the decisions I make about my life and about myself. I deserve to walk in the truth of what God has said about me. I deserve a life of softness. I deserve a life of truth. I deserve a life of peace. It doesn't take away from my identity. It gives my identity the solid foundation and a soft soil to grow. As you make that decision, as you think about decision day, because the date might look different for you. As you think about even the decision to just choose you and all of you. And nothing less. I hope you stop being hard on yourself. And I hope you realize that with this yes or this no regarding this decision. That there are so many more decisions in front of you. That will truly shape your purpose. Decision day is not your destiny. One day. One decision. is not your destiny. I'm so glad that. For me personally, the God I serve is a God of redemption. God of turning back the clock sometimes of, you know, second chances and third and fourth. When it comes to decisions, I need you to stop being hard on yourself because you can't see your tomorrow. You can't even see your next minute. Don't be so hard on yourself. You're carrying stuff for your destiny and it will reveal itself as you walk out this purpose of life. And as you do it, I need you to know that black girl at PWI, all the black girls at PWI, is black girl at PWI, the community, the family, what is the backbone of this entire podcast and everything that follows is here for you. Because we all have to make decisions. We all feel like some decisions are weightier than others. Now we might crush under them. But I want to encourage you to step out. Make that decision. Say that yes. Set that boundary. Embrace yourself. Live a life of softness. Live a life of unapologetically you. Step into something that ain't nobody else did because it wasn't up to them to do it. You owe it to yourself. And if you think you owe it to the world, then so be it. To be fully you. To live a soft life. To not be hard on yourself. But also to believe that decision day, one day, out of your entire life, (laughs) is not your destiny. To be very honest, to all the beautiful ears listening to this, you are just getting started. 
And that's the most exciting thing about this. So look, I love y'all. I am beyond proud of the people that you all are becoming. We're getting to the end of our season. I'm getting ready to cry. We get to the end of our season, y'all. Black Girl to Peter is about to wrap up. We got a couple more episodes out just to help help you all and where you currently may be and what's next in your life, what's next in our lives for the for Black Girl to PWI's life. But it's gonna be lit and I'm so excited. Remember, if you're not already following at Black Girl to Peter Wild, make sure you do that. Don't be a ghost. I know we've been kind of MIA and stuff like that. I told you, your girl has been trying to get her life together. She's been trying to get back on track. But now one day goes by in which I don't think about all of your beautiful ears and how much y'all have grown since the first time I came on this mic and started kicking it with y'all. This is not the last episode, so don't try to go ghost on me and get all sad, okay? We got a lot more to talk about, so I need y'all to stay tuned and lock in for our tweak out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but outside of that, y'all, I love y'all. It's lit. You know, it's your girl, D. Bianca Simone. If you need anything, make sure you DM at BlackGirlPWI. We're going to keep kicking it on Instagram. We're going to keep kicking it on social media. And hopefully, we might even get a little ticky talk. So make sure your eyes stay peeled. I love y'all. Keep doing y'all. Keep showing up and being blackity black, 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 black. Even if it ain't Black History Month, it's Black History Day every day that you show up on this earth. It's lit. I'll talk to y'all soon. Now, class is out, but that don't mean you should be going ghost, okay? If you like today's discussion or want to keep it going, follow us on Instagram at BlackGirlPWI and keep talking at talk. Also, don't forget to check out our portal for scholarships, financial aid tips, mental health, and motivation some days. This is Breezy signing out. Take care of yourself and keep showing up, sis.